Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. And I believe that you, I believe that God called you into urban ministry, into hip-hop ministry, into multi-ethnic ministry to be a part of the rebuilding process. What if God is using you to replace what has been corrupted? What if God is using you to rebuild uh, what needs to be dismantled because it doesn't even represent God's true heart? It's already streamed through these pipelines But it seems like they might as well be ice lines That's why our type lines, our Skype lines We connected to the right vines All oh, this is the right time But the branches don't speak the current language They spit in Spaniard, Spanish, the culture speaking Spanish From San Juan to Anchorage, the people languish The gospel's unheard, the culture's in anguish Now Pastor Tommy's here this morning And a lot of people know him from videos like that He's been empowering the culture in so many different ways, from conferences to books to material. He's a father. He's an author. You know, he's uh, one of the original Christian hip-hop rappers that helped pave the way for so many others. I'm talking before pastors not letting you in the door rapping on many mics or phones, okay? So it just wasn't happening. But I'm telling you this morning, it's my privilege to just talk about not what's in front of the scenes, but what's behind the scenes. Pastor Tommy is a person that has encouraged me when... Before this church even started, we're just a couple families in a minivan going down to live and train and grow and be at his church. Encouraging me with stories when he's telling me, oh, okay, we had nothing. Believe in Jesus for big things. The dollars aren't adding up. You're going to hear more of the stories today. But God continued to show up and show off. And I'm telling you, people want the glory many times. Like they want, oh, I wish I could come out with something. But I'm telling you, behind every person that's ever done anything prolific for Jesus, there's always a story. There's a test that led to a testimony. And so it is my great honor and privilege to welcome our guest speaker today, which isn't just a guest speaker. He's extended family. He's one of the overseers here at the church. So he cares and prays. When we moved from Pattengill to here, he was one of the individuals that helped give a prophetic word in a timely moment and said, I believe God put you there so people could see the quality of what God wants to do in city life to reach a certain type of people, all backgrounds, they belong here. And then people will go with you to a part of town that's kind of forgotten about a little bit. And they'll come and they'll be aggressive to say, we believe that God loves the least, the broken, because that was us and he'll love the city. He helped share that, encourage that for the move here. So would you welcome this morning Pastor Tommy, a.k.a. Urban D. City Life family, how y'all doing today? Man, it's good to be here. It's, it's great to be at the new spot here at Harry Hill. This is, this is beautiful. I love it. It's, it's a lot more intimate here. Uh, man, I'm so proud of you guys. And everything Jerome just said, uh, Pastor Jerome, I mean, it's, it's been amazing to watch his journey. And, you know, I've known him actually since like 2010. We connected. He was in a coaching network that I did. And, and I've coached like uh, close to 100 pastors. And, and he's one of the guys that really stuck out 
and we just kept in contact over the years and kept building. And then, like you said, they came down to Tampa. When this was all just a dream, when he was just thinking about, I'm supposed to plant a church and, and I want it to be for everyone, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-class, and where we really just welcome everyone. That's what everybody says, but we really want to do that and execute and do it in excellence and just, you know, and it's amazing now to see, look around the room, y'all. Y'all are less than two years old. Give it up for what God's doing here. Now, if you come here like regularly, when you are sitting in something, you can begin to take it for granted, right? But let me tell you guys something today. You're involved in something really special. This isn't happening everywhere. People are dreaming that something like this uh, could happen. And, and give God some praise one more time. It's happening here. Y'all are doing it. We're killing it. So we love you guys. We know that you have extended family down in Tampa, Florida at Crossover Church. We're regularly praying for you guys. Um, I'm regularly in touch with your pastor. We're talking. We're uh, praying for one another, connecting. Uh, he inspires me many times as well. And uh, my wife, Lucy, she, she said to say hello to you guys. I think we got a picture up there. That's my wife, Lucy. Been married 21 years. Yeah. I know you're like, when did you get married? We were 12 when we got married. So... Just looking good, you know what I mean? I got two girls. Uh, my oldest is Diana. She's 14. And Sophia in the green, that's her favorite color. She loves turtles. She just turned 11. And, and pray for me because I'm looking for a gun. If anybody's got a good deal on a gun, I mean, man. And pray for me too. I got a house full of Puerto Rican women. It's, it's, it's rough on a brother. It's rough. Uh, but God's doing some great stuff in our family, in our church down in Tampa. We actually were inspired by you guys. You guys, how many of you guys were part of, of Love the City last year? Make some noise if you were part of that. See, some of y'all are rocking the shirts today. Um, that inspired us to do a thing that I've been thinking about for a while, and some other churches have done it, but then you guys did it, and I called Pastor Jerome. I'm like, man, tell me about that. What was it like? And I was like, we're going to do that in 2017. And so we did uh, Love Our City. That's what we called it. And uh, Love the City, Love Our City, same thing. But I want to show you guys a highlight video and, and just know this is something that you guys inspired and helped spark in Tampa. Check this out. Love, love Our City to me means that you take a message of hope you put hands and feet to it, and you care it to someone who doesn't expect it. And so the opportunity that we get just to kind of plant that seed, to be a blessing to somebody, it goes a long way. Jesus said, that you're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, no, there's just a lot of people we just appreciate it. So police officers, people that work here in the district that nobody's ever showed up and brought them a gift bag with some stuff in it and a gift card and lunch. And so, just really to surprise people out of the blue to say, hey, somebody cares about you. Uh, we're here in this community. We want, we want to make this a better place.
that's literally showing love in the most surprising, unassuming way. So there's still good people out there. There's still people out there with a heart. There's still people out there that care. And uh, at the end of the day, obviously, we want to get a message to them, and that message is a message of hope. Yeah. I want to give a quick shout out to some of my crossover family members that drove like two hours to be here. They moved to Ohio, got the Mays family right back there, Fred and Lynette. Give it up for them. And one of our other crossover family members that moved back up here is actually serving over in your kids' ministry, Heather, if you ever see her. So, you know, so we're sharing people, you know, you got to send us some people too. It's nice in Florida, y'all. No snow in the wintertime, but, but you know, anyways, but today I want to talk to you guys about finishing, topping off the walls, finishing some things. Let me ask you this. How many of you guys know uh, someone that started something and they talked about it and they got it started, but they never actually finished it? How many of y'all know somebody like that? Raise your hand. Look around the room. Man, right? We all know somebody like that, right? We maybe could point at ourselves, right? I mean, it's like an epidemic. So, so it's kind of like this. Let me break it down. People start things with a bang each and every day, but rarely do they top the walls. They only get halfway. Jesus was a finisher with a real tough assignment. Paid in full up front. There was no need for consignment. Nehemiah had doubters, haters, and threats, but he still topped the walls. Nevertheless, I've seen artists, pastors, leaders with crazy vision get so distracted they never complete their mission. City reach, city life. Y'all have stepped up and answered the call. So don't stop. Keep loving the city and top the walls. Yeah. Top those walls. I want to encourage you guys today because Jesus was a finisher. We're going to talk about Nehemiah today. He was a finisher. He came up with all kinds of excuses and say, well, you know, I don't know anything about building walls or leading people. I'm just a cupbearer. But no, he pushed through. And so today for a couple of minutes, I want to share a little bit of Crossover Church's story and, and look at Nehemiah chapter 5 and tie that together. And I pray it's going to really encourage you guys to finish some things that God's placed in your heart or to finish some things that, that maybe God's going to inspire you today and speak to you. So let me pray really quick before we dive in. Let's talk to God. God, we love you today. We thank you for bringing us here. God, it's, it's no accident that we showed up today at City Life. It's no coincidence. It's no coincidence that I came here all the way from Florida. God, you divinely set this up today that here on, on June 25th, 2017, that we would be here gathering at Harry Hill Community Center, God. Father, I, I just pray for these next few minutes, he's gonna captivate our attention, captivate our hearts. And as we look at, at the word, God, may it come to life to us. As I share some of our story, God, may it inspire people and challenge people at the same time, God. If there's some things inside of people that have died, God, I pray today you'll raise it to life. Raise it to life, God. Do your thing right now in these next few minutes. We pray this in Christ's name. Everyone said. Amen. Everyone said. Amen. Amen. Well, let me tell you a little bit of our story. So it, it was September 14th of 2008. And we were doing three services at our church. We were in this little building with 200 seats and we were bursting at the seams. And so we said, we're going to get everybody together. We're going to do one service. And so we can't fit everyone here. So we're going to rent the largest movie theater in the city. And so we went to AMC. We had this big movie theater. We packed it out. We had a couple theaters for the kids. And, and so we gathered everyone together and we cast vision that we said, hey, 
We, for years, we've been talking about we need a new facility. As you guys know, we can't grow anymore. We're kind of stuck right now. And, and we want to let you guys know today that God's given us this vision. And, and so we kind of revealed that we were going to go after the abandoned Toys R Us store. And so this was a 43,000 square foot building, like an acre underneath of a rooftop. And so we said, man, God has called us to go after that building. It's been abandoned. It's in a tough neighborhood. And, and, and we're talking to the realtors. And, and it's, we just need to raise the money. And it's 2008. Y'all remember what happened in 2008? The economy collapsed. It was not a good time to try to raise money and, and try to sell our property. And, and, and how many of y'all know that's, that's how God lines it up sometimes? When it totally doesn't make sense, so you can't take any credit for it. So, so we asked the church, like, hey, y'all ready to do this? Everybody was like, let's go. So we had a bunch of crazy. I know it's a bunch. How many of y'all are crazy here? We got some crazy people at City Life. Uh, that, that's why you guys have grown so much and touched so many people and reached people and did sports camps and took off work and sacrificed. And there was people here this morning, like at seven o'clock, setting everything up because, man, you believe, you believe in the vision and Jesus has changed your life. You know he's called to change more people's lives in your city. So we said, man, we're going to go after that building no matter what it takes. So you know what? The next, the next 18 months was this roller coaster ride of miracles, setbacks, more miracles, double the setbacks. I mean, anybody here ever felt bipolar? You ever had a bipolar day? That was like every day, those 18 months. It was like there was something great that happened, then I'll get an email like, oh no. Like, you know, it was just this emotional roller coaster. Fast forward to January 4th of 2010, and we signed the deal on we, we sold our property. Miracle. In the middle of a recession, the housing market and commercial real estate market in Tampa especially was, it was just destroyed. But we sold our building for the asking price. They didn't even try to talk us down. And so it was amazing. But here was the thing. Here was the catch. We hadn't signed the deal on the Toys R Us building yet. We had been negotiating with them for like a year and a half and, and was always like, yeah, soon. Yeah, we're going to sign it like next week probably. We, we were hearing that for over a year. And so we signed the deal on that property without having anywhere to go. Now, some people would say that's crazy, but you know what? When God tells you to do something and step out in faith, look at me, y'all, there's no plan B. But see, we always have a plan B, right? We have something over here in case it doesn't work out. So we only like halfway commit. And then when it gets a little tough, then we fall back over here on this little thing that we had. And then we're like, God, what's up? God's like, you didn't trust me all the way. So we trusted God all the way and, and we let go of the building and we started meeting at a hotel. We were doing setup and breakdown. And, and, and seven weeks later, we signed the deal on the Toys R Us building. Woo! We were like, yeah. So there we were. Now we had raised some money. We sold our old building. We signed the deal. We had the keys to this big old building and the inside of it was really just in essence, an empty shell. So I'm just a kid from Philly. I didn't grow up with a whole lot, but, but I had to learn a whole lot about real estate and commercial real estate, right? So they gave us this lease deal and it was a great deal because it was a recession. I mean, we got it for a steal. I mean, everyone now, seven years later, our district is booming. It's an innovation district. It's crazy what all the building and stuff that's happening. So we, we got an incredible deal. So, but here's the deal. We needed to rebuild the whole inside of that. They didn't give us any money. They said, but we'll, we'll give you six months for free four months where you'll have to pay uh, a quarter of the price and then four months where you'll have to pay half the price. So in essence, at 14 months, Pastor Jerome, we better be ready because we got to pay that bill. 
you know, and it's coming every month. And when we were at our old campus, we owned it clear and free. So now we had to grow up and pay bills, right? But so we're like, man, we got to get in there. We got to build this out quick. We got to grow and get some more people here because the numbers really didn't fully line up. And we're just trusting God because remember, there's no plan what? There's no plan B, right? So we went ahead and did that. And, and so God is, is working with us. And, and so here we were. And you know what? Look at the person next to you and say, when you're halfway there, tell them it gets real. It gets real. Look at your neighbor and say, it gets real. That's what we were. It, it got real. So Nehemiah chapter five, he's halfway through his rebuilding project. And you know what? For Nehemiah, it just got real. He was sent back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and, and things were good at first, but then some opposition started to pop up and there were some serious things that started to come against his rebuilding. And so if you guys got a Bible or you got your Bible app, you can pull it out and follow along. Nehemiah chapter five, we're going to put it on the screen as well. Starting in verse one, it says this. It says, about this time, some of the men and their wives, they raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families we need more food to survive. Others said, um, we have mortgaged our fields and our vineyards and our homes to get food during the famine. And, and others, they said, we have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards just to pay our taxes. We belong to, to the what family? Help me out. Same family as those who are wealthy. And our children are just like theirs. Yet, yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We've already sold some of our daughters. We're helpless to do anything about it. Our fields and our vineyards are already mortgaged to others, like they were maxed out. Now, this is what Nehemiah said. He said, when I heard their complaints, I was very what? He was angry. He was upset. This is one of the biggest examples we see in the scripture of social injustice, of the rich people taking advantage of the poor people, of ex exploiting people. And we see it's happening all over the planet, right? There's human trafficking. There's, there's people that are, you know, in, in sweatshops. There's all kinds of stuff that's still happening in the world. It's, it's, it's greed. And, and so, you know, you actually had some of these families, they were so financially strapped there to sell their children into slavery just so they could eat. So, so let me ask, how many parents do we have in the room? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Wow, look around. Almost all of us got kids in here, right? So you got something in the water up here in Lansing, huh? Heard about Flint, but I mean, Lansing, y'all got, man, baby making material up here, right? Everybody's got kids in this service, man. Wow. So, but, but parents, so, so put yourself in, in this shoes for a moment. What if you were so broke and, and you were just, you couldn't even eat. You have no money for food. The only way you could eat is if you sold some of your kids off into slavery. And at least they could have some meals and you could have some money now so you could feed everybody else. Imagine if you were in that predicament where you had to choose between we're going to die or I got to sell some of y'all into slavery just so we can survive. That's where hundreds of these families were at in Jerusalem at the time. Hundreds of them. Imagine what that was. It was crazy, right? So today I want to give you guys five R's so you can remember, right? Five R's of how to rebuild when it gets tough. But you got to top the walls off when it gets tough. Because that's the thing. All of us can get excited about a vision and something God showed us to do. And we start working on it. But then some opposition comes and some things get challenging. And many times we give up or we shelve it or we just get discouraged and we quit and just, ah. So five R's if you're taking notes. The first one is this, reaction. Somebody say reaction. Man, come on. The 930 service had more of a reaction than that. 
and it was just mostly this middle section. We got all three sections. So somebody say reaction. Woo, that's what I'm talking about right there. So Nehemiah had a reaction. He was, he was angry, he was upset. He didn't ignore the problem, he took it serious. Now Ephesians 4, 26 says, um, you can be angry, but in your anger, don't what? See, yeah, some of y'all know the Bible, that's what's up. So being angry can be good sometimes because it can cause you to take action. Nehemiah was upset. He's like, man, people are being exploited. This is wrong. I've got to step up. I've got to do something about it. or I'm about to lose the majority of my workforce. So here was Crossover Church and we got the keys to this building. And so first what we had to do was a little bit of demo. There was some bathrooms that we had to tear down. We had to scrape up some tile floor and tear out some carpet, but there wasn't a whole lot. So I'm thinking in my mind, like, man, we can get the permits for this. We got to hurry. Cause remember we only got 14 months. We got to get this thing built. We got to get in there. We got to hurry up already. Come on. Right. And, and so this contractor that we hired, you, you ever hear those nightmare stories about general contractors? Yeah. But we were like, we're, we're, we're Christians. We're a church. God will protect us. It's good. And plus, I know this guy that knows a guy and man, it's going to be fine, right? So we hired this guy with high recommendations from a great company, a friend of mine ran, and it was taking forever to get our permits. And I just couldn't understand that. I was getting really frustrated. And finally, when we got our permits and we got some guys in there to start the demo, he hired like four guys and it was taking weeks. There's dudes in there like scraping the floor, these old scrapers. They didn't even have gloves. They had blisters on their hands. I'm like, come on, man, let's hire like 20 guys. Let's get this done in like two days. Come on, we got a building to build, come on, right? But so it, it was a couple of weeks into the project, they were almost done the demo and I get a phone call from the guy who was supervising it. He was from our church and he said, Pastor Tommy, we got a serious problem here. I said, what's up? He said, the inspector just showed up here and he asked what we're doing and I said, we're doing some demo work. And he said, do you have a permit? And he said, of course we do. And he looked it up on his iPad and he said, there's no permit for this because the general contractor wasn't there. He said he had the permit. And, and so he kicked them out and told them if he sees them there again, he's going to find us and the project shut down. And, you know, and so I was just like, what, what is going on? So obviously I was very angry. You can imagine, right? But sometimes interruptions can be invitations to something so much better. I'm gonna come back to that in a minute. But sometimes God will interrupt your flow and you're like, man, you get this reaction, you're upset. So the reaction is first. The second R is this. Somebody say reflection. 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 See, there you go. You guys are with me. So think before you speak. Nehemiah chapter five, verse seven. Um, it, it says, after thinking it over. So Nehemiah was angry, but he thought about it first. You ever been angry and you said something you regretted because you didn't think it over enough and you were like, you just, ah. You reacted in a really negative way. Well, listen, when you're going through some stuff, let, let me tell you something. Here's some advice. Sit down, pause, pray, breathe, do what Nehemiah did, think it over. Maybe call some people that are gonna give you godly advice and wisdom before you go ahead and you react. So reflect. So it's crazy because I heard about this on a Thursday night, Thursday afternoon, actually, when the guy called me and said, we don't even have a permit. We just got kicked out. The next morning, I had to jump on a plane flight to Japan. 
I was speaking at a conference and doing a concert in Japan. I had a 13-hour flight. And of course, um, I ended up in the back row, in the middle seat. I have long legs, but I'm like, I can deal with this. I can stretch my legs out under the seat, but there was a metal box under the seat. I'd never been on a plane that had a metal box under the seat. It's like an electrical box or something. It was an electrical box from hell, and it was there <laughs> under the seat. And so I had to be like this the whole time. And I asked the person on the right and the left of me, it was these sweet, short, little Asian people that they wouldn't trade seats with me. <laughs> and I was just, I was frustrated, but God had me sitting there in the waiting room reflecting for 13 hours about what are we gonna do? What should I say? And of course I'm nervous and I'm like, God, this could ruin everything. What are we gonna do? And you know, I got to Japan and, and, and the leaders there prayed for me and then I had 13 hours back that Monday to come back home. And, uh, but I wasn't in the back row with the, the electrical box from hell, praise God. So, but I, I had a lot of time to reflect. So there's reaction, there's reflection. Number three, somebody say rebuke. Rebuke, rebuke. then there's a rebuke. But you, you have to go to privately confront the offending party, privately. Don't go and tell everybody else before you go talk to that person because that's what a lot of people do, right? Or now that we have social media, we'll put it on Facebook. Don't be that guy. You know that guy, right? That puts all their business out on, or that girl, right? Don't, don't be that person. Don't be the spiritual. Don't spiritually mask it. Pastor Jerome, I have a prayer request. You know, you know Carlos, the mailman? Oh man, you need to pray for him. I saw him going through some mail the other day before he was delivering it. No. <laughs> Carlos, I love you wherever you're at. <laughs> but so some people try to do the spiritual thing, like, right? Don't do that. Listen, Jesus gave us a template in Matthew 18 to go directly to that person first. And, and we look here in Nehemiah chapter five, verse seven, and that's, that's what Nehemiah did. Look at verse seven, next part of verse seven. He says, I spoke out against these nobles and officials and I told them you're hurting your own relatives by charging interest when you borrow money. They were, ex they were charging extremely high amounts of interest. You ever see the payday advance places? You ever notice they're only in certain parts of town along with the pawn shops and the liquor stores and, and, and y'all got the weed stores up here too? We don't have those yet. Well, we just opened up one, but it's only like, it's only vapor or something. You can't. It's weird. I don't know. But they always put those things in areas where people are already hurting and struggling and they want to exploit them and, 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 and take, make it even more painful for them, right? That's exactly what was happening here in Jerusalem. The rich taking advantage of the poor. So when we got back from Japan, when I got packed, I sat with my leadership team. We immediately went and we had a meeting face-to-face -face with the contractor and his leadership team. And of course, he had all these excuses. Oh, I'm working on getting my, you know, contractor license, you know, renewed. I have it in another state. And, you know, but the bottom line was he lied. We were doing something illegal as a church. He didn't have integrity. And so God released us from that and said, no, you can't work with him. I'm not going to bless this project if you continue to work. So we told him that day, look, we're done. Um, here, we're going to write you a check for what you did, and we're gonna part ways. God bless you guys, but we can't move forward with this. And so there we were, and we had to find a new contractor now. But, but let me tell you something, major distractions are gonna come when you're trying to finish something in your life that God's called you to finish. Things are gonna pop up all around you to get you off track, to get you off that wall. So you have to have the proper reaction. There's gotta be some reflection, the rebuke, Here's the fourth R, y'all. Somebody say resolution. resolution. There's got to be a solution. Okay, what are you going to do? 
What's going to happen next? Nehemiah chapter 5, the people knew that the rich people were ripping off the poor people, but people were scared to step up and say something. And, and so after Nehemiah met privately with those people, because he went directly to them, then he dealt with it publicly. And we see that unfold in, in verse 8. And it says this, it says, at the meeting, I said to them, we're doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you're selling them back into slavery. What? Again, how often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. So here's the thing, a little bit of history on Nehemiah. Nehemiah, when he was in Babylon, which was a foreign land that his people were taken into exile because they disobeyed God a couple generations before that, he was born in Babylon into exile, but he ended up with a great job. He was the cupbearer for the king. Now, we don't have cupbearers today. We have secret service. That's basically what he was because if people tried to take the king out back then, they would try to get them poisoned. So he had to try everything that the king was going to eat and drink before the king had it. I mean, he was eating good. It was a little risky though. Probably had a good life insurance policy, but anyways. So he had this good job. He was making good money in, in, in the palace, but there was other Jews that were totally in slavery. And so him and some of the other guys that had good jobs, they would save up money and they would go and they would redeem. I'll take, I got enough money for these. I got the whole first row here. I got enough money for them. I'm gonna get them out of slavery. Yeah, you guys are free now my fellow brothers and sisters, right? And so he's saying, listen, this is what we did in the foreign land. Now they let us come back to our own land and we're selling each other back into slavery. It's like, this is insane. What are we doing? Slavery's wrong. Slavery is a sin. God doesn't smile on it. And so we see him stepping up for people that didn't have a voice. He had integrity. Look at verse nine. He said, then I pressed further. I said, what you're doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself and my brothers and workers, we've been lending the people money and grain, but now let us stop this business of charging interest. Now, look at the leader's response in verse 12. They responded, they replied, we'll give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. And I love it. In the next verse, Nehemiah made those leaders get up in front of the priest and swear that they were gonna follow through. Because you ever had somebody say they were gonna do something and they didn't? He like made them get up in front of the priest and in front of everybody. He like called them out on the carpet, put them on blast. So for Crossover Church, our resolution was we had to find a new contractor. We, we fired the lying one and we had to hire a new one and we found them. Guess where we found them? In jail. He didn't work there. It wasn't the adult prison either. Our ministry has had this juvenile detention center ministry for over 15 years. And every week we have some guys and women that go in. And so we had a couple of our guys from our church, some artists go in and rap and do a couple of songs and share their testimonies and share the gospel. And there was several young men that night that started a relationship with Jesus. One of those men, young men, his name was Francisco Diaz. A couple of days later, he got out and he found the church and he started coming. And there was some men in the church that began to take him under their wing and mentor him and disciple him and pour into him. And uh, it was amazing how he began to grow. He turned 18 shortly after that and he studied really hard and he got his general contractor's license. And he started this little company called Heaven Sent Construction. 
and, and he was just, even during the recession, that's his logo right there, and he was just killing it and just building this little company up. And soon, you know, here we were, and we made a decision that we were gonna hire 23-year-old Francisco Diaz to run this 43,000-square-foot rebuilding project. Yeah. This young man was the man for the job. It was risky. He was only 23. People are like, he's only 23. He looked older than that, but I mean, he's so young, but he had 17 people working for his company full time. He was 23. I mean, he was doing build outs, doing remodels, doing all this stuff. And he's like, man, I'm ready. Come on, Pastor T. I'm going to take this on. He said, he said, Pastor T, I, I got a question for you. He said, I, I see the, the project is bidded out at $1.7 million. That's what the build out was gonna cost us to remodel the inside. We had to do everything, plumbing, drywall, the whole nine, right? So he said, I, I think I can get that price down and save us some money. Can I rebid this? I was like, by all means. You think you can save us some money? How much? He said, I'm not making any promises, Pastor T, but I think I could get it down some. I mean, go ahead, bro. See what you could do, work your magic. So it took about two weeks to meet with all these different subcontractors, the plumbers, the electricians, the, you know, and so when I got that new bid back, boy, I did a dance. Let me tell you something. Because it went from $1.7 million down to $1 million. He saved us $700,000. So, so if you're taking notes today, you might want to write this down. Here's our rebuilding block for today. I'll pop that up on the screen. What seems like an interruption with a lion contractor that messes us up, it could be an invitation to something so much better. Man, I'm like, God, anytime you want to interrupt me with a liar so we can save $700,000, I'm good. I'm good with that. Like, go ahead, God, do your thing, do your thing. So we publicly told the church, hey, we're with Heaven Sent Construction now. And that was the resolution to top the walls. But we needed that last R. Here's the last R this morning, y'all. If you want to finish some things in your life when it gets tough. Number five, you need number five. Number five is reinforcements. Somebody say reinforcements. You got to set an example of unselfishness. Whenever you stand up for something, you got to be about it yourself. You got to live it out yourself. That's what Nehemiah did. He worked right alongside the workers. He sacrificed, he gave. When he stood up for his brothers and sisters that were in poverty, you know what? Nobody could say anything to Nehemiah, not only because he was right, but because he was credible. Because he stepped up and he had this influence from the king and the king let him go there to rebuild and gave him all this stuff. He could have easily took advantage of people. He was a leader. He could have taxed them. He could have bought property. He could have been living large. But nah, look at these last couple of verses we're going to look at this morning. Verses 16 through 18. Nehemiah said this, I also devoted myself to working on the wall. I refused to acquire any land. I required all my servants spending time on the wall. I asked for, for what? Nothing even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides all the visitors from, from other lands. Talks about all the stuff he had, ox, goats, all kinds of stuff, poultry. Every 10 days, we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine, and yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already had a heavy burden. Wow. Leaders, they only ask other people to do what they're already doing. Nehemiah was a leader. It's a real leader. You guys have some real leaders here. When there's serving going on, when there's sacrifice, they roll their sleeves up. They're right there next to you, working alongside of you. Listen, when God calls you to rebuild something in your life, when God calls a church to rebuild and do something, when God calls to build, you know what? Satan wants the battle. When God wants to build, Satan 
wants to battle. He's gonna try to come against you just like he tried to come against Nehemiah and the rebuilding of Jerusalem, just like he tried to come against Crossover Church and the rebuilding of the old Toys R Us building, just like I know he's tried to come against City Life Church and many of the initiatives and the outreaches and the things that you guys did that seemed impossible. And people are like, Pastor Jerome's crazy. We're gonna do what? How are we gonna do that? But watch how God showed up again and again these past 18 months. It's, it's been amazing. Here's the thing, y'all. The sacrifice always increases right before you finish the walls, right before you get to the top. It gets intense. So we were right down to the wire trying to finish our building before the weekend of 10-10-10. It was the 10-year anniversary of our Flavor Fest conference, and, and we, we needed to get in there already. So we were paying rent at this hotel, and every week and it was just man it was a lot and we're like man we got to get this done so francisco had a day crew and a night crew those last couple of weeks and he was running the night crew working like 24 hours a day just about so there was a bunch of us that would come in at night and we'd help out and so uh one night i came in and and they said oh pastor t we got a box for you here they brought me this big old box and a screwdriver and a set of blueprints and they said, Pastor T, we need you to put all, all of these in. All of these electrical outlet covers. We need you to put every single one in, in the whole building. Here's the blueprint. Go ahead. You know what? I could have griped and complained. I'm the pastor. I got, man. No, man. We, we had a deadline to hit. We had some people to reach for Jesus. I rolled my sleeves up and I got busy. Four hours at night, I was, put, I was putting on every single, I was switching hands. I was, let me tell you something, I know where the power is. In Jesus' name, you come to my building, I'll show where every plug is, you know. I know where the source is, right? Listen, when it gets tough, guys, roll your sleeves up. Don't give up, push through. Let me close with reading something from my book, Rebuild, and I talk about this in a lot more detail, this story. I'm giving you kind of the highlights of it today. But chapter seven is called Topping Off the Walls. And this part of this last of the chapter, it's entitled When the Bank Account Runs Out. Anybody ever had the bank account run out? Like, oh man, what are we going to do? So it says this. It says, our, our general contractor, Francisco, he pulled me aside. He said, we're going to finish this project no matter what it takes. He was determined, I was determined, our church was determined, but how? There were still things to buy and we were out of money. I had done all the fundraising I knew how. I mean, I asked my grandma, my neighbor, I mean, everybody, man. We were selling cupcakes and I mean, it was crazy. We were so close, but there was still a gap. Francisco told me he would take his savings to finish it and we could pay him back as soon as we could. Well, that was extremely generous, but we needed a couple hundred thousand dollars. He told me that he had it. What 23-year-old do you know has a few hundred thousand dollars in the bank? Whew. Francisco came from the hood, never had a lot. His family put an old school Cuban work ethic in his blood. When he started his company, he bought everything with cash, equipment, trucks, tools even his house this dude was 23 years old he had no mortgage i want to be like him when i grew up right <laughs> so 
Every week he lived well below his means and he kept stacking money, saving money. Little did he know he was saving it for his church. Man. So here's the last point I want to make this morning. That person that you reach out to and love our city week at the sports camp, that person that you're shaking their hand at the door. This morning, Pastor Jerome and I were driving here. We stopped and he bought some sandwiches for this lady that was on the corner that needed some food. We stopped at McDonald's. You never know that person that you're reaching out to and ministering what God's gonna do in their life. We would have never imagined six years earlier, this kid in the juvenile detention center, six years later, would save us $700,000 and lend us $200,000 and rebuild our building. Give God some praise for that. So I know that some of you today, you're in a state maybe of brokenness and you're trying to rebuild, but God uses broken people. Even in your brokenness and in the state you're in right now, God can still use you to help rebuild someone else. And, and man, you're gonna get blessed more by blessing that person. Some of you here today, you're on the edge of a breakthrough in your marriage, in your education, in your finances, in your career, in your dream. You're right there on that edge, but I've watched so many people over the years, they're right there and they crumble at the last minute. Because at the end, it gets so tough. You're almost there and it gets so intense and a lot of people crumble. Look at me today, y'all. Don't quit. Don't give up. God's got you. He sent this skinny guy from Tampa, Florida that raps to come and tell you, don't give up. God has got you. Make some noise if you know God's got you. He's going to help you finish strong. He's going to help you rebuild. He's going to help you reach people and love the city. I want to ask you to stand up around the room today. I want to pray for you. If you're here this afternoon and you're saying, you know what? I've got some things in my life I need to finish, but I feel stuck right now. There's some dreams, some things that God's told me to do and I've tried and I'm just kind of in this season now. I, I just, man, I need some help. If you're transparent enough and real enough right now to say, that's me, I need God's help. Raise your hand. I wanna pray for you. Man, beautiful. Thank you for your realness today. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. God, I lift up my brothers and sisters here at City Life here in Lansing, my extended church family here. God, you see all these hands that are up? You know the story but behind each hand that's up. You know their family, you know what they're facing, you know the dreams, the visions, the things you've planted inside of them. Some of the things that some of them have already started and they've gotten stuck. Or some things that maybe people haven't even started yet and you've, you've told them that maybe even right now in this moment, you're giving them a vision, you're giving them something they're called to do. God, I pray they'll be finishers in Jesus' name. They won't lean on their own motivation. They won't lean on their own willpower. They won't lean on some coffee and caffeine from Starbucks, but they'll lean on the Holy Spirit to finish, to complete, to push through even when it gets difficult, God. And they'll lean on each other. They'll learn to be open and transparent and trust other people, God, and invite them into their lives, into even private moments so people can pour into them and pray for them and challenge them and push them to be better, God, and to love this city. God, I thank you in Jesus' name for what you're doing here in this city, God. God, I pray for Pastor Jerome, God, and Crystal and their family and the rest of the leadership team here, God. Continue to use them, God. You're doing miraculous things here, God. Help us never, ever to take for granted what you're doing. 
never to take for granted, God. This is, this is incredible, this movement that's happening here at this church, God. Continue it, God. Fill this place up, God. Fill this place up, God. Make disciples. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Give the person next to you a high five. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.